Hey and welcome to the Intuitively Inspired Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Elizabeth, and I'm a holistic health and food freedom coach. It's my mission to guide you into being the CEO of your own body and life. Each week, we will delve into all things eating and living intuitively, stepping into the most confident and powered version of you, and redefining your meaning of health and happiness so that you can leave feeling lit up, tuned in, and turned on by your life. I'm so excited that you're here. Let's get started. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Intuitively Inspired Podcast. So I am super excited today because I have another gorgeous guest on the show, Courtney Hill, who is a business mindset coach. Now, Courtney and I have been following each other for quite a while now, and I absolutely love her work and actually hired her myself at one point. So we'll talk a little bit about this later on. But one of the things that I love about her is that she is really passionate about intuitive eating and she's been on her own food freedom journey as well. So really can't wait to get some tips and tricks from her today and really to get an insight into her story and a little bit more about her. So amazing. Hi, Courtney. How are you? Hi, Sarah. I am well. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And this just had to happen because I have been following your work since before I became an intuitive eating health coach. So I just remember you and looking up to you and being like, oh my gosh, I wish I could do what she does. Do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about you? Yeah, thank you so much. First of all, thank you so much for that. That uh, that makes me really happy to hear. And I think we've chatted a little bit about that before. Um, and thank you for having me, having me today. I'm so honored to, to be here and to speak to your community a little bit about my own journey through food freedom. Um, and now leading into, you know, starting my own business in that space. And now, um, yeah, so as you mentioned, um, I am a business mindset coach, and I help online coaches overcome mindset blocks that they have so that they can attract and sign their dream clients. Um, I began my business back in 2018 as an intuitive eating coach. um, And like Sarah mentioned, I was able to help um, women from all around the world heal their relationship with food. Um, Prior to that, though, I was a nurse. So I started out my career in nursing and then soon through my own evolution in my own journey with food um, began my business um, which I'm sure we'll dive into a little bit more um, today and I am based in Ontario Canada so we are definitely far (laughs) apart (laughs) and I'm so grateful that we do have social media and these avenues to be able to connect in this way Um, like you mentioned we've been connected for quite some time now and I just feel like it's so incredible to be able to, to speak to people who are so like-minded and, um, you know, really on similar paths from all across the world, like without social media and these different avenues, we really would have not been able to connect. So super grateful for you and just to be able to, to be here to speak with you today. Mm, thank you so much. No, I really appreciate that. And thank you for the introduction. I feel like it's so important to have expanders in your life, whether that be someone you're looking up to in in business or someone you're looking up to, even with relationship with food stuff, right? Someone who's come from a tough relationship with food or a disordered relationship with food to then heal that and to be able to look up to someone who's in the place that you want to be. And I feel like you were definitely that for me when I first met you. So it's just amazing to have you on here. Um, Wow. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. No, that's cool. And um, it's interesting as well that you started out as a nurse, because that's the Mm -hmm. first thing that I wanted to pick apart about what you said, because I don't know about you when you were in this kind of work yourself, but did you find that people who were primarily in like caregiver roles are tend to be more prone to relationship with food issues, if that makes sense? That is an interesting point. And I can't say I've ever thought too much about that before but um it makes it makes sense and it's interesting I do work with a lot of intuitive eating coaches as well in my business now and a lot of their prior roles to beginning out on their journey um were in caregiving roles 
Mm, it's I, I just find it so fascinating. So yeah. Mm. Yeah. Why do you think that could be? I feel like it's I, I feel like it's people who are like giving and giving and basically like running on empty, right? They're pouring from an empty mm. cup. They tend to then need to fill up that cup and oftentimes aren't investing time in self-care and their own kind of time for themselves, right? And so maybe that's, I mean, that's my theory, but I'm not quite sure. It's just quite interesting that I always find like every time I speak to someone, they're like a teacher or I work with a few pastors or I work with um, people who are, you know, just giving all day long giving a lot of energy giving care to others and so I wonder if there's just that little piece of neglect there in terms of your own self so that's interesting that you came from a nursing background as well yeah yeah that's a very interesting point um but my my journey I guess though with you know my disordered eating and everything that went on there that did happen prior to even embarking on my nursing journey um so that could yeah interesting point. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Tell us a little bit more about that and where, where that started. Yeah, for sure. I would love to share. So, um, I, to be honest with you, had been dieting from a really young age, as long as I can remember, right. I've, as long as I can remember, I've always had this deep desire to be thin. Right. Um, and I didn't really take any extreme action, so to speak around changing the way that I ate or changing the way that I looked or exercised until um, I started university and I went through a really devastating breakup. So that was kind of like the catalyst for me to turn to extreme restriction uh, when it came to my food and over-exercising as an attempt to really just gain, take back that control, right? I felt like my whole life was just so out of control. I went through this breakup that completely rocked my world. Um, I think it was after six or seven years of, you know, dating my high school sweetheart, we went through this breakup and it just completely shook everything up. And because I had that underlying desire from as long Mm -hmm. as I can remember, like I said, to be thin and to look this certain way, um, I think that that just kind of, it it was almost like this, the the perfect storm to kind of catalyst everything that I, that then unfolded after that. So um, what happened was after that breakup, I started to, like I said, restrict my food over exercise and um, really just masked that as I'm going to take care of me now. Right. I went through this breakup. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take care of myself now. This is time for me to take care of me. And through that journey, um, I really just got extremely obsessed with Mm -hmm. this idea of controlling my food, my exercise. And it was almost like therapy for myself, a way to just check out and um, focus on something else other than what was happening in my life. And so through that, my body started to really change. And I started to get a lot of attention from others about the quote unquote progress that I was making. Mm. And that fueled my fire even more, right? That, um, catapulted me to restrict my food even more and get even more uh, extreme with the routine that I had going on. And so eventually, I mean, my body just could not sustain what I had been doing any longer. And I ended up in this cycle of experiencing very extreme binge eating episodes. And I would have these extreme binges and then restrict my food immediately afterwards, right? I was stuck inside that cycle of restricting and binging, um, hoping that the restriction following the binges would be what would stop the binges. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was really, really scary for me. So that cycle lasted um, for for years, uh, a lot longer than the restriction leading up to it. Um, Mm -hmm. Once I ended up in this binge eating cycle, it was just sometimes it's honestly hard now to, to, to really remember exactly how that was, but I know I did struggle for, for years on end with that. And like I said, it was really, really scary for me because, um, I had felt like I was hiding something from the world, right. I was portrayed as, as I made this progress, quote, quote unquote, with my body, I was this fitness person who had everything under control, who was the most motivating, inspiring person who ate mm. quote unquote clean all of the time. And so I was hiding that I had this secret, right. Of what was really happening behind the scenes. And so um, nobody, nobody knew I was hiding it from, from everyone. And, 
you know, along the way, I treated my family and friends very poorly. I was very disconnected from everyone in my life. And um, yeah, it, that, that was one of the toughest periods of my life, I, I have to admit. And, you know, through this continued on for, for years, for a few years until I reached a point, which I call my rock bottom, where I just was so alone, afraid, you know, feeling so guilty and just defeated, right? For anyone who has been through or is maybe currently going through these cycles of restricting and and binging, you know how alone you feel during that and defeated. And like, you know, how could I possibly ever get out of this cycle, right? And so that's where I found myself. And, you know, I, I do not take this lightly by any means, but at one point it got so bad that I considered taking my own life because I just felt like there was literally, I, I have this vivid memory of laying in my bed thinking like, there is no way that I'm ever going to get out of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it yeah. felt impossible. And that was really scary. And that moment, I have, I have younger brothers. And I think at that moment, I was thinking, they were very young at the time. I was thinking when that thought came up for me around taking my own life and, you know, finding another way out of this cycle. Um, I thought about my brothers and that's kind of what I think helped me Mm. to to get some help because I was struggling with this all alone. Mm. And from there I was able to start getting some help. And I know that that's this, what I just shared is sort of um, Cole's notes point point form version of my story. Of course, there's a lot of different things, but I hope that gives you a little bit of insight of of how that journey was for me yeah for sure and thank you for sharing that with us because that it takes so much courage to come out and say even that you know you were struggling with these thoughts you were going through all of this and I think for anyone listening to this podcast they probably need to hear this right they need to hear that they're not alone because I think this is one of the things that I see so often in women that I work with and with myself as well is I literally felt like I was so on my own the whole time that I was struggling Mm -hmm. with this and so many women do as well and it's heartbreaking to think that women go through this and have to deal with this right so yeah. 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 Thank you for sharing. And for, again, I, I, again, talking about expanders, like for everyone listening right now, you will be such an expander to the, the fact that like you can, you can get through this. And, you know, if this is the way that you're feeling right now, that it is totally possible to heal from this. Right. And so, and another thing that I kind of wanted to pick apart here was this notion of like going through a, a really tough breakup and mm-hmm. how like the natural reaction for women is like, I have to fix myself because that is something that is portrayed in so many like films and just TV shows and everything. As soon as there's a breakup, it's like the woman goes on a diet and it just has mm-hmm. become so normalized to be like, right, well, obviously there's something wrong with me. So I need to fix myself. And oftentimes it's that kind of behavior that then spirals into disordered eating it never starts no one ever starts out by having a full-blown eating disorder right it often starts from dieting or restriction that's perfectly under control inverted commas and um, totally like doable and then all of a sudden it's like wow it's out of control and it's just taking over your life so I just find that so wild that that's been normalized Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And that is such a great point. I mean, at the time you're so right. I never would have ever thought it would catapult into what I went through. Right. At the time it was this feeling of just wanting to look better because I felt so horrible about what I was going through. So it's this way of gaining back what I thought was gaining back control. Mm. Um, that is such a great point. And I do agree. It is very much normalized, right? We see it all in the media of like people doing that after breakups or any sort of traumatizing event in their lives of just really feeling like they, they need to do that to, to take back some sort of control. Right. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you're so right. And I think, you know, one thing I always say is that your relationship with food is very much a reflection of whatever is going on in your life. And so you can imagine, and sometimes, you know, I even get women that I work with to draw out timelines of the kind of things that they'd been through and to, at that point, pinpoint where their relationship with food was at that time. And you often see that the curve is very mirrored with when they're feeling down in life, their relationship with food will also kind of, decrease in in terms of level of happiness in that area and so it's it's I I just find it so interesting that food is the thing that we tend to blame and food is the thing that we want to control but actually it has got nothing to do with food whatsoever and actually a lot of our our work that obviously you did and and still do really is like mindset work and work Mm -hmm. on yourself in general rather than the nutrition piece or or the piece on food yeah Yeah. And I will say as well, even on my healing journey, and I'm sure you can attest to this too, when you talk about those little dips, right? If let's say, you know, something was happening in my life with my job or school or something while I was on my healing journey, those are the moments where I felt the most triggered to go back to past behaviors when I was feeling down, when I felt like my life was chaotic. So you're so right that it does definitely mirror the things going on in your life, definitely mirror what's happening with your relationship with food. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Working on the food piece is like, it's like covering a gun wound with a bandaid almost because you're like really focusing on the food. And so fixing the food isn't going to help. You really need to sort the life piece out first, the majority of the time. And yeah, totally feel that. But it's, it's interesting how, how that happens. It's interesting how it works. Um, so tell us a little bit more about like how how you got started in the food freedom space in general, because I'm quite intrigued to find out like how obviously back then, I don't know if food freedom was such a big deal on social media and things like that. So was it? And how did you even find that work in general? And how did you get into it? Yeah, so that is such a great question. And it's so interesting now, because when I think back to when I was healing my own relationship with food and navigating that I don't ever remember seeing any of the content that I do now on social media back then Mm. like now I'm like wow this is such a beautiful space of all of this different content and support and help here on social media and I just don't remember seeing that um, back then at all but um, as for myself so when I first began to heal my relationship with food I started to see a therapist from my uh, work. So I was, like I said, working in nursing and we had access to um, therapy as, as employees. And so I saw a therapist through there who was not specific in disordered eating by any means, but she did help me along my journey to work through some of the things that were going on in my life. And to be completely honest with you, I never felt like, I, and this could lead us on in a whole other <laughs> tangent here, but I never felt like I was sick enough or hurting enough to get any specific help Mm. in the eating space. So that's um, something maybe we can dive into a little bit afterwards, but yeah. um, yeah, So, so I started out my journey and then I was introduced to intuitive eating through that therapist. She knew a little bit about intuitive eating and she introduced that to me there. And so I started to, you know, I got the book, started to read more about it, started to really just explore what that was because I had no idea at the time. And, you know, I was very skeptical at first around this whole idea of food freedom and what that really looked like and what that really meant because for so long I was really trying to control my, my eating and really to let go of any other routines that I had felt very scary, of course, which I'm sure a lot of the listeners can relate to and, and yourself included. And so as I navigated through my own journey, really just figuring out, um, you know, bits and pieces of how to heal my relationship with food, I I had this deep desire, right, to help other people do the same, right? And I've, as you mentioned before, I am very much so um, nurturer, giver. I mean, I was working as as a nurse at the time. And so I did have this deep desire of like, I need to help other people work through this. Even though at the time, at the beginning stages of having that desire, I wasn't fully healed myself. I just always had this like deep rooted feeling of like remembering those specific moments of when I was going through the binging and the restricting that like, I have to help other people with this. Right. And so what I originally did was I started with a blog. 
I started to just share my story through a blog because at the time, nobody had any idea. All they knew was that I meal prepped, I ate clean and that I posted my fitness photos on online. Right. And so I started initially and came out, so to speak, about my journey through a blog and quickly realized how many other women could relate women at the gym, women I knew from work, women I knew from school, reaching out to me saying, oh my goodness, I've been through similar things. I totally resonate with what you're sharing. And I was just simply sharing my story and what, what was happening in, you know, in my life. And so from there, I, I really felt like it was my obligation to be able to share even more and help other women through, like I said, what was the darkest place in part of my life. And I can remember sitting at my nursing job and just constantly feeling like there's more for me out there. There's more. I need to do this. I, I couldn't shake it. Like I could not let go of this desire to help other women heal through what I had been through um, in my journey. And I would imagine, you know, those darkest days, like I said, and think, man, like I need to help other women get out of that space. I know how alone I felt. I know how defeating it was and how low that brought me that I cannot help but help other women out of there. And so that's really what started it up. So I I feel as though once I started blogging and once other women started to share with me their stories, it was like, okay, this is, this is another sign that I need to pursue this type of work. And so I, the first step that I took in, in terms of making a career change and doing this, this work is I became certified as an intuitive eating counselor. So because I was immersed in intuitive eating myself, helped myself through my own intuitive eating journey, I, you know, had resources to look up and how to become certified and and pursue education in the intuitive eating space to be able to serve other people. So that was the first step that I took in being able to help other women. Yeah, I love that. And um, I, I just find it so amazing how there are so like as soon as you come out this is the one thing that sticks in my mind about my journey as well is that you know you go from this feeling of being so isolated and so on your own and then as soon as you come out with it it's like every single woman has struggled with this like literally like not every single one obviously but the majority of women and that it's just become so normal and I think moving on to what you were saying about not being sick enough I wonder if that's one of the reasons as to why women think you know I'm not sick enough because it's very normalized in day-to-day society to be restricting and then to you know again with the films and they're like let's grab the ice cream let's grab the thing and that that will help us like cope with our emotions that will help us soothe whatever we're going through right now and because of that it's like you have this notion and I don't know about you, but for me, when I was younger, the only eating disorder I really knew of was anorexia. And I didn't know of any other, like I didn't realize that binge eating disorder or binge eating of any kind was even a thing. And I thought to have an eating disorder, you have to be like literally so like so skinny. And that's the way that you looked if you had an eating disorder. And if you didn't look like that, then you're not actually sick. Right. And so there's this like, I don't deserve to get help notion that comes along with that. Yes, that's exactly. You just hit the nail on the head. That's exactly how I felt. I can so resonate with that. And I remember Googling certain eating disorders, like the definition of Mm -hmm. them and feeling like I just didn't, I, I didn't align completely with whatever that definition was online. And so I felt like, oh, that, that's not me then. And there may have been parts of denial in there, right? Not wanting yeah. to fully um, accept and admit where I was at. But for the most part, I think it was that I didn't identify with what I knew of eating disorders. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And don't you think that it's something that you can ignore so well? Like, I don't know about you, but I am the master of pretending that binge eating didn't exist when it when it definitely was, or literally just feeling like, I could easily mask the things that I was going through and I could easily live a double life. Like I cannot lie in the way that I used to be able to lie about food and just the behavior that I used to just act as, as normal when all I had all of this going on underneath the surface is crazy. Like it turns you into a different person. Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. I, I definitely feel that. And um, when, when you say it turns you into a different person, I can relate to that as well. Right. The way that I I am still making amends with my family members who I just treated so horribly going through that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like my method of coping with that was very much like overcompensation and I think, I mean, yours was a breakup that was a a trigger for all of this. And I think mine was always family issues. So I always felt on my own Mm. anyway. So I think there wasn't really much in terms of relationships that I could have really destroyed in that way. Um, However, I did definitely with like boyfriends at the time, friends at the time. I was so just, I was so isolated and so good at then coming out and just being like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm going to the gym. I'm pretending like none of it was, was happening. So it's, it's crazy. And I feel like the more you, the more you live in that, the the easier it is to push aside. And I think this is one of the things that I constantly, when I'm speaking to women on discovery calls, is they're always like, oh, you know, it's not like, it's not bad enough to be getting this help a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, I totally relate to that as well. Cause I was so that yeah. person where I was just like, well, it's not an eating disorder. It's not, it can't be, you know, it's not that serious. I'm not that sick. And so like, I can, I can almost keep hiding it as well. It's not really affecting my life in terms of like my relationships or anything. Like I was very good at pretending that it didn't exist. So like mm-hmm. I can just live with this forever, but it, it, you almost have to get to rock bottom before you yes. realize like, wow, I have let this get so far out of control. And I don't know about you, but I just had this huge disconnection. And, you know, you talk about the fact that you're still repairing relationships with your family. I'm still repairing my relationships, my relationship with my body, because Mm -hmm. I am so disconnected where like, I have very physical symptoms of disconnection with my body that I'm still working on to this day. Like, not and yoga has been a huge help for me I know that you 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 really enjoy yoga as well but yoga has been a really huge help for me to feel back in in my body because there was just so much disconnection going like I looked at my body as if it was a completely separate entity from me if that makes sense yeah yeah I can totally relate to that as well right because you're not in those moments when you're really deep in you know disordered eating and and going through the binging and restricting cycles you're really not attuning into your body whatsoever, Mm -hmm. right? All you're thinking about is these external plans you're following or, or, you know, how to change this and and change that of your food and your exercise. And you're really not turning inward at all. Yeah. And so it makes sense why so, so many of us have this disconnection, especially if we had been struggling for, for years with, with our relationship with food. Right. Yeah, for sure. And when you're so used to just being like, no, this doesn't matter. This, I'm just going to shut this away. I'm just going to ignore that this exists. I'm just going to pretend that this isn't here. Or I'm going to ignore my hunger fullness cues and everything, all the biological things that your body tries to do to tell you that I'm not okay and I need help. You get really good at ignoring yourself, others, everything. <laughs> so it's just interesting how that kind of trickles into your life for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's super interesting. And something that just came to mind actually as well is the idea that prior to, you know, disordered eating behaviors and things like that, hunger cues and fullness cues and all of the things, you know, attuning with our body is not even something we probably thought about, right? Because it was so intuitive prior to your your disordered eating journey, right? And so then afterwards, it's almost like something, it's a new concept when you try to reconnect because prior to that, it was just so intuitive. You didn't think about it. Like, I don't know about you, but prior to my disordered eating Mm -hmm. journey, I didn't think about having hunger and fullness cues. It was just intuitive. And so afterwards it's this new concept and really just reconnecting with something that was of course always there, but you didn't ever, ever think about. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that I always say to clients is like, look at, you know, if they have children or if they have children, (laughs) that children are like the best example of intuitive eating because they literally will just, no matter what it is, they will leave it on the plate if they're not hungry and they will. And as a testament to coping with their emotions as well, right? Because if something upsets them, they will literally cry and scream and have a massive tantrum. And then they'll be like, (sighs) Ah, nothing happened I'm okay and then carry on with life as normal whereas because we don't allow ourselves to feel those things it's like a compilation of just like 
coping mechanisms that aren't so healthy. So it's interesting how we can actually learn from children in this case and be like, what would my, what would my child do? Or what would my niece do? Or my nephew do in this situation? They would probably have a tantrum. Well, that's probably the right thing to do. (laughs) Exactly. I used to say that to clients all of the time. It's so funny, isn't it? That we, and again, it's so interesting because you go through this process of when you're growing up being told you can't, you know, you can't, you shouldn't be crying at this age. You shouldn't be getting upset. Like save face is something that I always heard. And like, you know, you're okay. You're a big girl. You don't need to cry Mm -hmm. about this. And oftentimes that ends up in big, big binges or big, you know, or the opposite side with restriction to try and cope or control for me the binging came before the restriction so it's interesting to me to hear Mm. of people who restricted first because my food food for me was like I'm just gonna sit in in a happy pile of food for 10 minutes and and that was my like happy place where I could just ignore everything that was going on in the world so I always find it quite interesting to see which one comes first for clients and I guess it depends on Mm. what what's going on in their life at the time as well I suppose so yeah yeah that's that's interesting that's a great point as well actually and what what do you find more often with clients to be honest I find that the dieting comes first probably Mm -hmm. the dieting and the restriction comes first yeah and I think that it often comes as well from like some of the women who have struggled with disordered eating has literally come from like a comment that someone said to them at school or something like that, where someone has literally like walked past them in school when they're like 11 years old and said, you're fat or you're not going to fit in there or should you be wearing that or something like that. And that is literally where it's all started. And it just blows my mind and highlights the importance of how to talk to people and how to teach your children to talk to people because it's like Mm -hmm. the tiniest comment can affect someone in such a especially I mean I know what that you mentioned right at the beginning of this conversation that you straight away as for as long as you remember had this desire to be really really thin and so if you're if you have that ingrained in you all it takes is for someone to make one comment and Mm -hmm. it kind of reinforces that belief for you yeah Absolutely. And it's interesting you you bring up that point as well, because I can remember you're bringing as you're talking, I'm like, oh, I can remember like a handful of yeah. monumental moments in school mm. where people had said something or, you know, a sibling or a cousin or a parent had said something and you just those moments stick with you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's interesting to hear it from that perspective as well, because, again, with my story, it was very much the food that was the problem first so like it was always and I always thought when I was younger that I was addicted to food I remember googling and oh google has got such a if if I could relook at my google search log from back then I would cry or laugh or I don't know because it's crazy but I remember googling like I'm addicted to bread I'm addicted yeah. to sugar. What can yeah. I do? Because, and, and everyone feels like they have this like addiction to food. And realistically, like one of the things as well that, I mean, I suppose both of us probably say is, you know, look at your list of things that you can't have. And that's probably the list of things that you're craving the most. So and exactly. It took me a really long time to realize that really, really long, like wildly long. Mm-hmm. I almost wish that Instagram existed when I was going through this because me I too. definitely needed the kind of content that I put out today for sure. Yeah, exactly. And and it took me a really long time to realize that as well, that I did not have, in fact, an addiction to, you know, chocolate or whatever it was mm-hmm. that I was searching. It was really, the thing is, though, we turned right to Google or YouTube or wherever you were searching yeah. for answers, right? Yeah. And the first things that come up, like you said, are likely not the most helpful no. <laughs> when it comes to what the truth is, right? So, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what I'm really interested in with your story in particular, and one of the things that I was so excited to get you on for is because I think that you're such a testament to what can happen when you heal your relationship with food. So obviously we've had this conversation about feeling, not feeling, not feeling sick enough to get help. And Mm -hmm. I almost think by having that kind of attitude, attitude, but having that kind of thought process, you are literally kind of Um, hindering your growth in such a big way because I know for me that I was only reaching like a tenth of my potential when I was struggling with the disordered eating and binging and 
restricting and really just thinking about dieting all day long. And so I don't even think it would have been possible for me to have started a business myself or to do the incredible things that I do and in my life right now, if I hadn't have healed my relationship with food. So do you kind of, do you agree with that? Do you think that your food freedom journey has been a huge part of where you are today? Yes. Yes. You are speaking my language. This is like, I think about this all the time. I'm always like, wow, if I had never healed my relationship with food, I would have never, ever started a business. I probably would have never even gotten the job that I had prior in nursing. Um, Because at the time, you're right, you're using about a tenth of your, your potential because your entire life is revolved around what you're going through with food and your body. And so it's really hard to focus on anything else when you're in that. I found anyways. And so, I mean, you're skipping out on all of your social events. Mm. Uh, Well, I was anyways, I was skipping shifts for work, calling in sick, like anything to be able to make my food and my exercise and my body the number one priority in my life. Right. So I definitely agree. I've 100% would have not started a business had I still been in that, in that space. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that again, it just kind of highlights the importance of this work is not really just about food and it's not just about healing your relationship with mm-hmm. food. It's it's really all about getting your life back. And a whole part of my program now is about reconnection to you and your life and who you are without food. And I think having not been through that process myself. I would not have come out and done the things that I that I do today. And, you know, we have been directly affected by our relationships with food because that ended up being the work that we went into specifically. But I know other women who have ended up, you know, finishing my program, then leaving their jobs and doing something totally different that they're like, actually, I'm so, you know, when I'm not busy going to the gym and not busy measuring out my food and things like that, I'm actually really passionate about animals or I'm actually really passionate about this, that, the other that Mm -hmm. I just didn't ever get the chance or opportunity to talk about with anyone or myself. And so it really does just paves the way for you to live out your full potential. And I think you're such a great example of that. Thank you. Yeah. And I think you are as well. And that's one of the things I love so much about your approach and the content that you share in this space. And I think what makes you very unique in the intuitive eating space and food freedom space is the fact that you do um, also address that, right? How much of your life you get back as well, which I think is so important. I can totally relate a lot of clients that I had had in the past, you know, they would get promotions in their jobs, they would take a new career path, they would have new relationships, new hobbies, like it was just so incredible to see how much life comes back to you mm-hmm. when you when you are able to heal that. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's amazing how you get to be the light for everyone else. Because obviously, as we've already mentioned, so many people are struggling with exactly the same thing. And so I always say that like one half of the work is you figuring your own relationship with food out. And then the other half of the work is dealing with people who haven't and becoming the light in a space that might be very dark for you. So for me, you know, and and especially for things like offices, for example, if you're someone who goes into an office and there's like diet talk everywhere, you kind of have to take that approach as I'm the light here. I have to be, I have to be the one that kind of that seeps out this positive energy so that everyone else can kind of see that actually there's so much more to their lives than food. So it's, it's just amazing how it bridges out into, it's really a doorway just to, to, to growth in general. And it's like your first step towards awakening and realizing that actually you have so much more about you than just your relationship with your body and your relationship with Mm -hmm. food. So it's amazing. Absolutely. And another point to piggyback off of that, I think is really important as well to share is how reconnecting with your body through your food freedom journey really helps you to just be more intuitive and in in tune with with yourself overall. Like I find Mm -hmm. that now I'm so much more in tune with my own intuition when it comes to other things in my life, relationships, um, my business, like just things in my life now. I'm like, I feel like I know myself so well because of that journey. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you literally just, you, you get the importance of you being first as well. And you, because I, I don't know about you, but I was literally just like, you know, giving, giving to everyone, doing everything for everyone. And now I totally get the importance and I don't think I would have done having not done this work in putting me first listening to my values and what I what I believe to be true first and then serving others from that place rather than constantly being and I think that's one thing that a disordered relationship with food will teach you is that you can almost become a chameleon to your environment because you're just trying to like not get noticed or you don't want anyone to realize that you're not eating or that you're overeating or whatever it is and so you become a chameleon to your environment and actually that process of going through this healing journey is like actually I just get to be myself and I get to listen to myself first if there's an an environment that I know isn't going to support me I will say no now whereas I definitely did not have boundaries back then yeah absolutely and I think you just don't really even have the capacity when you're so focused on food and your body and exercising or whatever that journey looks like for you you don't have the capacity to even think about taking care of yourself in other ways yeah yeah and and talking about that and and disrespect it's like so disrespectful to your body to not listen to it whatsoever right and I just feel like I did not get that until I'd been through this process where Mm -hmm. like when was the last time that I actually sat down and listened to what my body was saying to me in any way whether that be an emotional thing whether it be a spiritual thing whether it be like physically like physical cues or pain like never and how Mm -hmm. disrespectful is that and how did I go for so many years just ignoring the fact that my body was giving off all these different emotional physical cravings essentially so I guess to kind of talk a little bit more about where you're at now then how has how has food freedom coaching and intuitive eating coaching sparked your passion for then working with women in a business mindset capacity? Mm, Yeah. So when I first began out on my business coaching journey, I, well, still now to this day, actually, Mm. uh, I work with a lot of intuitive eating coaches. So, you know, a lot of the women that I'm serving in my business coaching container are intuitive eating food freedom coaches. And so for me, it, you know, I shared this with you a little bit before Sarah, but, you know, I got to a point in my intuitive eating business where I really, I think in my own personal evolution with food and my body, I just got to this place where I really wanted food to be food, my body to be my body and not have to talk about it all the time anymore. Right. And so I had this business surrounding it. And so of course I was immersed, so immersed in that space. And for me, it just, I got to this point where, you know, I really just felt very distant from my own journey. And um, I knew that there was a new evolution, so to speak for myself. And so in that process of figuring all of that out, I still had this desire to remain um connected in some way to the food freedom space and so actually I think a conversation with you Sarah sparked part of this idea to serve intuitive Mm. eating coaches through one of the conversations we had but I was like wow what if I could just serve women who are doing this work still as a way to still be a part of working in that space and helping women indirectly heal their relationship with food right so that's how it really began. And um, I think it's just such a beautiful way for me to still be serving in the space indirectly. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine the ripple effect of Mm -hmm. your work to every other intuitive eating coach. And I feel like it's just amazing that intuitive eating has become so big now. And I really needed it when I was in that situation myself. And so the fact that you're training the trainers kind of just is amazing because the amount of people that you're second handingly supporting through this process is just must be immense so Mm -hmm. it's amazing amazing absolutely sometimes I think about it and you're right I'm like wow I wish there was this type of content and these people serving in this way when I was really struggling and maybe there were I just had not come across had not come across it all yet but yeah yeah Yeah, it's very incredible 
for sure it's amazing and you are just so and I think you know again the the mindset piece is a really big part of what you do as well and I even in the in the business capacity and I think again kind of highlights how that mindset piece in terms of intuitive eating and food freedom must have been so important to get through so that you could then think because I know that you talk a lot about for example your relationship with money and Mm -hmm. your relationship with sales and your relationship with all of these different things that you need as a business owner and how interesting is it that it's almost like an evolution from your relationship with food your relationship with your body and then talking then about okay next step of awakening here is you can do what you want with your life and you get to run your own business if you want to and it's almost like in stages (laughs) so that's quite interesting yeah very interesting point um and I mean I have thought about that before and I have thought a lot about as well as I coach women in the business space the parallels between the journey of starting your business and running your business and the journey of navigating through food freedom yeah yeah for sure for sure um amazing okay so in terms of I guess this, this podcast as well, and what I want to support women through with this podcast is really helping them define their own version of health and really helping them define their own Mm. version of what happiness is, what health is. And the fact that that is going to be very different for every single person, dependent on what they're going through their lives, their careers, what they've got going on. And so one thing that I like to ask all of my guests is what does healthy mean to you? I love that question. And it's funny, my program prior when I was doing intuitive eating mm-hmm. coaching was called reinvent your healthy. So mm-hmm. I am very much along the same lines of what you just said around how really just helping women to reconnect back to what healthy means for them and redefine what that really looks like for them, especially if they've been for so long focusing on, you know, the food and the body aspect of yeah. health. And so, yeah, that was like my main mission. So I love that you said that. Um, But so for me, I definitely feel that healthy looks different for everyone, of course, right? I don't think that there's any one size fits all definition that we can really like place on everyone. I know there are definitions out there on Google, but I don't necessarily agree that it can be like that for everyone, right? So for me, healthy is really a feeling. So I, I believe that, you know, it's really a feeling of contentment in all areas of your life, right? Not just the physical, not just the mental, not just the emotional, but all areas, right? Your physical body, your mental health, your emotional health, your connections and relationships you have with other people, your spiritual health. Like I believe it's all encompassing and it's a feeling of contentment in those areas. Right. It's to me, it's how I feel about all of those areas in my life. Right. And of course, that's going to be different for everyone mm. based on what that really means to them and how much they value each component of of health and of their life. Right. And um, prior to this, though, before my food freedom journey, all I considered was the physical yeah. of what I thought was healthy, the food and how I exercised and what my body looked like. I thought was a part of my health. And that's all I focused on. And so now to think about this overarching, all of these different aspects of, of what healthy really means to me, it's like, wow, I spent so long just focusing on like a 10th of what now is just a small piece of the pie. Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. And I think you're so right. And it's so interesting what you say about having this I guess this preconceived idea that health is really just about food because I did exactly the same where if I was on a I was on a diet I really didn't see the difference between being on a diet and being healthy I was like or if somebody else was dieting I was like oh you're so healthy so I literally didn't know that the two things could be different so I find that so 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 interesting and you're so right about the connections so the more research that I've done around the importance of relationships and the people in your life and the fact that actually people live longer when they're part of like-minded communities versus people who are solitary it's like actually shouldn't we be striving for all areas of health and doesn't this version of health that we used to have really get in the way of that feeling connected and feeling really Mm -hmm. 
a part of something bigger, a part of a family, a part of a community or whatever else, it really isolates you. And so actually it's not healthy at all, right? No matter what the the preconceived idea is there. So just find all of it so interesting. Yeah, very counterintuitive. You're right. Yeah, totally, totally. Which is not what we're yeah. about, obviously. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Well, thank you so much for having me. For having me. Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> I really, really appreciate yeah. it. And I guess before I let you go and and carry on with your day, why don't you tell our listeners if they are currently business owners or if they are maybe even intuitive eating coaches, I know that I have a few listening to the to the podcast. Why don't you tell them a little bit about your offerings right now and what you do and how they could potentially get in touch with you and for anyone who would consider using Courtney as a coach, I have done so and she was absolutely incredible and like I said was just such a an amazing example to what I could achieve in my business and so that was one of the reasons that I was so desperate to have one of those breakthrough sessions with you Courtney so thank you for that I really appreciate it and it's done wonders for my confidence and my business so definitely recommend for anyone who runs a business and needs some support um so yeah tell us a little bit about your offerings and and how you can support any business owners yeah, thank you so much for that. Um, so my main coaching offering is my She's Limitless private coaching program. And so this is for online coaches who are working to sell out their one-on-one coaching program. So I work with coaches who have gotten their feet wet in business a little bit, right? Maybe, you know, have a one to two clients, but they just can't really seem to get past that point. And so inside my my coaching container, I really show you how to overcome the mindset blocks that you have around yourself as a coach, your business and money that are really keeping you from getting to that place of being able to sell out your one-on-one coaching program. So the best way to get in touch with me, if you're inquiring about coaching or you want to connect further is through Instagram right now. So my Instagram handle is at it's Courtney Hill. um, And that's the best way, you know, that's where I'm hanging out most and we can definitely connect further there amazing amazing and I'll put your um username in the show notes as well so that people can just have a link to that if they want to access it quicker I don't know about you but I'm a terrible speller so just yes. yeah need it written down <laughs> absolutely that will be helpful amazing. thank you amazing. so much Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for your time and for your wisdom. It's honestly been such a pleasure to find out a little bit more about your story as well behind the scenes. So thank you so much for that. And yeah, speak to you soon. Yeah, you're so welcome. Thank you again so much for having me. It is my pleasure. If you loved this podcast, please do share it with a friend or leave a review. It would mean the world. Also, don't forget to find me on IG as I would love to connect with you. You can find me at Sarah Elizabeth Health. Elizabeth with an S, not a Z. Sending you so, so much love and I cannot wait to connect with you in the next episode.